0: I think I know who took your daughter.
1: She was in a cult, for Christ's sake. You really think this person is trustworthy? I lost my wife, I lost my daughter!
0: Forget about the authorities tracking your daughter down. If you want her back, you gotta get her yourself. Where's my daughter? She was alive two weeks ago. If she had to go through what I did when they took me, it would be like nothing you can imagine. You didn't say anything about tattoos. Imagine if I showed up at your little church looking like this.
1: Really shouldn't be following us, man. Stupid. Now you're going to show the ladies some respect.
0: They bring children here. In the end, they're killed. They keep some like me. No!
1: Let's send Cyrus a message.
0: You got a death wish? Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? You're crossing over. You better watch yourself. I've tasted a lot of blood lately, and I'm not sure I got a full stomach yet. And kill them.
1: Kill all of them. Take a look. This is God. Hey folks, welcome to The Projection View. I'm your host, Mike White. On this special episode, I am talking with Natalie Peroda all about her career, including her latest work on Nick Cassavetes' God is a Bullet. The film comes out on June twenty third, 2023. Be sure to check that out, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Can you tell me a little bit more of your background before you even became a producer?
0: I studied psychology at UC Irvine, and when I graduated, I, d- I moved to LA, and I had a full-time job at a PR agency, actually. So it was my first time in a an apartment by myself, my first full-time job. I was like a real adult at 20 years old. (laughs) One night at the office, we were watching Larry King live and he was interviewing his longtime executive producer, Wendy Walker, and she was just going through her experiences and telling stories and I was watching it and I was like, everything she was saying was resonating with me and I was like, I want to do that. That is exactly what I want to pursue. And so the next day I applied to a couple of different production companies and I was offered an assistant position at Patriot Pictures where I'm currently still here for the last 12 years and worked my way up as an SVP and we have financed and produced over 25 movies.
1: How do you leverage the psychology?
0: I think that the psychology major really became useful in this industry. Our business is more people-based than anything else. You know, we deal with financiers, artists, lawyers, and every single person has feelings. And I was trying to express themselves in some way. So I really try to be a good listener first and foremost, and then make decisions based on the energy that I get from the person.
1: Tell me more about Patriot Pictures. What do you guys do? And you said you've been working there for 12 years. And how'd you work your way up through the ranks?
0: Yes. So Patriot Pictures is headed by Michael Mendelson. He's a longtime producer financier. He started in the banking world. He has been a great teacher and mentor and really has opened the world and welcomed me into it very nicely. We are a small independent film production company. We, find, we fully finance and produce all of our films in-house, and it's been great.
1: How do you find the films to finance?
0: A lot of different ways. We have submissions that come in through friends and colleagues. They bring their projects, and we don't focus on any one genre, which is The amazing part. We are really flexible in what we choose when we finance and produce a film. And we can do it anywhere based on just we acquire the script and we package it with the cast and the director and make it, or sometimes the package comes to us ready and we just need to finance it. It just depends what stage the film, the project is in. We've also started from scratch where we've hired writers to write scripts based on ideas that we have. So each project is very unique in its own way.
1: So were you a big movie fan when you were growing up?
0: I was, yeah. I honestly didn't really see myself in this industry, but my favorite part about it is the business and creative intersection. I've really felt like I've been able to express my creative side as well as my love is really business. So it's been amazing to be able to intertwine both.
1: I know it's one thing to be a movie fan, but it's another thing completely to be in the business of making movies. What was the hardest thing for you to either learn or experience as you were going through that transition?
0: That sometimes films take a lot longer to make than you think. Also, just, you know, it's a delicate line trying to bring someone's vision to life while also appeasing to investors and to making sure we have a fiduciary responsibility. And when we're able to appease all of them, then it's really like we've caught magic in a bottle. The movies make it look like it's a lot easier to actually make a movie than it is. So I really respect the process and all of the people involved. It takes a village. And there's not one person that does any more than another. It's really, you cannot survive without the ecosystem of the crew and it starts at the top with your director, who's really the captain. It's a beautiful process to be a part of.
1: You have been involved in so many movies now, at least twenty that I know of, with a lot more coming out, some even coming out right now. What are the ones that are closest to you? Where do you feel like you've made that that impact the most?
0: They're all our babies different ways. Throughout my career, I've I've been fortunate enough to be given more and more responsibilities on each project. So I would say the most recent ones are the ones where I've really have been a part of every single decision process in the so I would say God is a bullet is a very close one to the heart. It's based on a book by Boston Tran. It's written by Nick Cassavetes and directed by Nick. It is a strong, powerful film for our you know, Micah Monroe, who's our female lead. It's basically taken in, in hell. So it's not for the faint part, but is also based on a true story. So we wanted to stay true to the story. And we are so proud of the film. It comes out on June 23rd. And we're really excited to share it with the world. And it was an intense experience just because it was also during COVID. And we had, and it, our cast is amazing, and we we're in the jungles of Mexico City and in New Mexico and in just all over. And I would say that one is very close. Another one it would be Get Lost, which is written and directed by Daniela Amiba. And it has Terrence Howard and Sasha Less and Ella Travolta, and it's like a beautiful beautiful coming-of-age story of a young girl who lost her mother and she's trying to find kind of herself and where to spread her mother's ashes. And that was the first film that I was actually on the ground from day one to the end leading the film. So that was like my first experience as taking it head on and being in Budapest halfway across the world Well, Michael's in Mexico doing God is a Bullet on the other side of the world. And so that one was a very amazing experience. We had a great time in Hungary. So we're really excited for that one. So hopefully that the world will get to share that one in the near future.
1: Now, is it just luck of the draw because he's made so many movies or do you guys have a connection with Nicolas Cage? Because I noticed you've produced at least three of his films.
0: Yeah, he's great. We love working with him. Michael has a great relationship with him that stems back years, back to family, man. They've always just kept in touch. And every time we have a project that we think that he may be great for, we call him and see if he's interested. And most times he is. So then we get to continue the working relationship with him. It's very important for us to continue work. We love working With the same people, it makes it more of a family experience, and we know we know how people do things and like to work. So it makes it a little bit—I wouldn't say easier because it's not easier—but it just makes it more enjoyable in that sense when we get to reunite with the people over and over again. And he's a dream to work with.
1: I was so shocked when he did that movie with Sonosian from Japan, just that. He was making a movie in English, and then that Nicolas Cage was starring in it. And then you get to produce it. That must have been fantastic.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit of lost in translation while we were in Japan. So that was an, an experience that I'll never forget. Just the, even at our wardrobe department and the production design and everything was just insane. And just so exciting to watch come to life our sets were beautiful out in the middle of nowhere taking the bullet train to a countryside it was fantastic we had our challenges because of the not speaking japanese and but we made it through and we figured it out we had some great translators so kept us afloat it was so fun to do a movie in a different country because everyone works so differently and so you really get to learn how they do things and that was one that was just it was a wild ride <laughs> and you can see it on screen you've
1: been all over the place what all countries have you been to have you lost count
0: yes we've, i've been fortunate enough to be able to see a lot of the world through our industry and work with a lot of people from around the world We have filmed in Hungary and Japan, Poland, Finland, Estonia, the Baltic Sea mainly, Mexico City, Colombia, a lot of places around the United States too, but it's been, I consider myself lucky in that sense. Not a lot of sleep in between, but we make up for it.
1: I just watched Synchronic last night, and I love the use of New Orleans in that one, and What a clever film that movie is.
0: And we're so proud of it. It was in the Toronto Film Festival. The director, there are two guys that were the directors, Justin and Aaron, and they're they kind, it's amazing what they do. They also edit, they write, they, one of them's a cinematographer, all on their films. So they really keep it into a nice, close-knit experience for them. And we love filming in New Orleans and they really brought that city to life. We actually did that one right after we did Cutthroat City in New Orleans as well, which was directed by RZA from the Wu-Tang. And it's a great city to be in. And it's very mystical and very, you feel like a vampire is going to come out at any second to hang out with you. So it's a nice place.
1: You need to tell me a little bit about The Making you know, of Zero, Bill. I was a big fan of the book that was based on, and it felt like that one was in production forever.
0: That was our third film with James Franco, it is the book. He did a great job, the writer, adapting the book, and he directed it. We had an amazing cast. It was just Seth Rogen and Will Ferrell and Megan Fox, Joey King, and we did it in L.A., Which was for a smaller budget film to pull it off in LA. It was a great time. We really brought up the late 60s, the atmosphere of it. And we, it wasn't felt like it was in production longer than it was because we had to release it a little bit later than we would have liked. And so it was, it was a fun movie in that sense. It was. It was really cool. Too. I love filming in LA because we don't really get to do it very often. But that one, it's like it was so authentic, obviously, to the city, and we couldn't do it anywhere else. And so that was really nice. Go to set and then be able to go home.
1: <laughs> you mentioned how COVID affected at least shooting God us a bullet. How else did it affect you and the work that you were doing?
0: COVID is a hard time for a lot of us. And we were very fortunate in the sense that we were actually filmed the first movie we filmed in COVID. It was in Mexico City. We took out, it was called Blackout and it has Josh Dumel and Abby Cornish and Nick Nolte. It was just on Netflix and it was number three worldwide for a few weeks, which we're very proud of. But that one, we had to basically rent out an entire hotel and we doubled the hotel as a hospital because the hospital was the main premise of the film the main set and we lived there for the whole shoot no one was allowed to go in and out everything was brought in a very small crew and we were very we didn't have any outbreaks we were very lucky very safe we took it very seriously but it was like a college dorm room all over again. You would see after filming, you would see remote control cars going down the hallways. You would see like just crazy things that happen and that you could only imagine happen in a college dorm. It happened in this hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were able to continue that and that kept us busy for the first part of COVID.
1: Were the restrictions pretty tight in Mexico?
0: They were, yeah. It was, and also just, we had to, of course, respect the SAG rules and it was masks everywhere. You would walk in, take your temperature, and we like basically missed it as you walked in with sanitizing spray. And we made sure all the food and everything was cleaned while it was when it entered the building. And if you left, it was you were done working, you finished, or you were done shooting, so you weren't coming back. So it wasn't somewhere where we had let people come in and out because, you know, we wanted, we didn't want anyone on our crew or actors to get sick, of course.
1: How many projects do you have going at the same time?
0: It varies. Sometimes we have three in production. Sometimes we have one. Currently we have, we're prepping for a release and we are in pre-production casting stages on about four films. So, if all of those are green, when those are greenlit, they'll probably be staggered throughout the fall, winter timeline. Mm -hmm. We do have quite a few in development and quite a few where we've optioned it now, figuring out, okay, bringing on casting directors or maybe rewrites or writers to help with the script, get it in a shape where we can go to cast. And that ranges, I would say. We have a lot of IP that we like to have and to try to put together. I would say we probably have fifteen to twenty of those projects.
1: How do you even keep track of all that?
0: We have a really great system <laughs> that tracks our. Her name's Caitlin. That tracks our projects and where we are, and then each project—or not each of them, but the ones that are a little bit more head—they have their kind of group of. EPs or producers that come with them. So it's nice that they come in and out of our office and we're able to work with them on a project by project basis.
1: Yeah, as an outsider, I have to tell you that the whole, who is the executive producer versus associate producer who happened to bring the project and they get their name out of it. That's always just like from an outsider point of view, it's, wow, what is this mess?
0: (laughs) Yeah, same from the inside point of view too. <laughs> no. Yeah. It all depends on the project and who owns or who bring who actually has the IP, who's who we're optioning it from, who's if the project comes fully packaged, it's a completely different conversation than if we have to put the project together. So it each one is very unique to figuring out who's the producer, associate producer, EPs. We like to really be fair in those things because sometimes a lot of times what happens if people give out vanity credits and so it's hard to give out a vanity to for someone who's worked so hard to then be equal to someone with a vanity credit. So we really want to make sure that the people that are working day and night and truly are getting the project off the ground that they're credited the way they should be and fairly.
1: I know with the WGA there's that whole arbitration process as far as who gets named. Is there something similar for the PGA?
0: There is if you want the the producer's mark like so on each I don't know if you've noticed that some names will have PGA after them. Um, so for that you do have to go through a, a very actually pretty complex application process to get that marking and so they do i think they limit it to four or five producers that can get that mark if i may be mistaken but you don't allow 10 or 15 like what we have seen but it happens <laughs>
1: how have you seen the business change over the years especially when it comes to distribution
0: it's changed immensely when the streamer's came into our ether, they made it possible for a lot of these indie films to, if you weren't able to get a theatrical release, that you could possibly get an upside by selling to a streamer because they sometimes do pay, they buy the film for an exponential amount. We used to work off the model of breaking out our films by territory and by the US and then different foreign Territories, and then you would have your tax credit, was how we would finance the films based on that collateral. And now, with the streamers, you want to make sure that if you have an upside by selling to the streamer. So sometimes we keep our projects close to the heart and we finish them and then we show them to the streamers first as a kind of a first look, and then we'll go down the line from there. So it has made it a little bit, I want to say, it has caused us to be a little bit more creative in how we go about our films and how we finance them and produce them. So it's been a little bit of a challenge, but I think we're figuring, we figured it out. And the world's always changing. There's always going to be something else. So we just have to stay with the times and keep going.
1: Fifty years ago, you could sell an entire project off of a poster. I imagine it's a little bit different now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not like that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Even five years ago, we could sell a project off of a sizzle, not even a complete film, but it's getting harder and harder.
1: This might be an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you had a magic wand, what project, either something that you've got cooking right now, or something that you've just been looking at what would you bring to the screen what would be your dream project
0: i would say something that means something that when you walk out of the movie you're talking about the movie and it has like a deep impact on you i don't really know what the story is or i want to say something that resonates with you and makes you or alter kind of the way you look at things and look at the world and hopefully it brings you some peace. I really think that films are a great escape in the sense that if you're having a hard day or a shitty week, you can put on a really good movie to either make you cry or make you laugh. And just for the 90 minutes to two hours, you can really escape. And I hope that we can do that for people. And I hope all of our movies do that. I think one that really is just is remembered for that
1: in your position do you get much feedback about the films themselves or are you getting more of the business feedback or are you actually hearing from the people that see these and go wow Natalie I absolutely love this movie it really was so fantastic to see
0: yeah I think we do get good feedback from the buyers and from the audience we do like to explore the reviews and see what people are saying social media has been great because so many people have reached out to us on our on our social on our instagram account and have told us the impacts that the movies have had on them or how much they loved sometimes they don't like them which is okay we can't appease everyone but and yeah i think that we definitely do get the feedback we also love to have screenings of friends of family see what they think before we lock really any movie and oh you never know who's going to have a good idea maybe we can implement them into our cuts but we're definitely open to listening and to hearing what people have to say
1: natalie thank you so much for your time this was such a pleasure talking with you
0: thank you i really appreciate it it's been fun
1: Call me sir, so you stop picking on me